Welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danuta and my super fabulous co-host, Lawson. Lawson, good morning. I like the smile oh, on your face. Morning. You're on a happy start yeah, today. Oh, just, just, just waking up, just emerging you know, coming out of my my cocoon and just just being here. You know? You're becoming a butterfly today. That, that's that right. You know, well, I think I spent most of the morning as a caterpillar so far. You know, like rolling uh, rolling around in bed, rolling right. out of bed, getting in my car, kind of you know, just like just like half eyes half shut. But now I'm awake. Like now I'm into it. I'm ready to go. Ready to get it done. Ready that's to be here. Fabulous. It must have been a big day for you then. If that's well, how it felt. actually, I yeah. It was like unexpectedly. Like, oh. so I did radio yesterday morning and then I was asked to share for a class at, uh, at Avondale. So I did that. I spoke, you know, for a, a, an hour or so, hour and a half. Yeah. And then I went to the library, did heaps of study, wrote oh, a bunch that's of stuff, so cool. you know, and then I got a text message. So at, at my university, Avondale, every Monday night, they have like a student concert where a student gets up and does something, True. and someone, someone like in, in a formal way or an informal kind it's, of way. It's, it depends. Like okay. it's just it's in it's in like a kind of not huge area, and people. It's more like informal kind of thing. Yeah, it's like nice. you know you can put something together and go and do something. I got a text at like midday. Oh, hey, Lawson, someone pulled out. Do you want to do it today? And I was like, oh. So I had like. And you said yes. I said yes. <laughs> I mean, I, like, because I was thinking about doing it and then, you know, I'd like kind of have a bit of a band with me and stuff, but I had no time to organize that. So I got up at nine and just like belted out some songs. Actually, you know, it went really well. Like, I just. That's like, so I, I, I cool. play lots of instruments and I sing and stuff. I bet so, the students loved it. Oh, no, it was amazing, but it just means like that started at 9 p.m. Wow. And finished at 10. So I got a bit late. And coming up on our show today, we have our interview with Brad Moody looking at hell, which will be interesting. Oh. What does the Bible say about that? On our news segment, we're actually looking at new archaeological findings in Italy and in our Bible study time, we're continuing on Ephesians 6, looking at the advice to parents. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Listening to the breakfast show with Danuta and Lawson. Lawson, it has come time for our quiz question. First one for today. Yes, guys, the first quiz question for today. So that means you guys need to get ready, get those phones out, get that number ready. 0491-064-669. That is the number to text. And our first question for the quiz is the book of Revelation describes this as the second death. Mm. The book of Revelation describes this as the second death. And then we've got multiple choice here. Okay. Is it A, the trump sounds and Jesus returns to judge? B, all the saints persecuted? D, death and hell cast into the lake of fire? Or D, the book of life is opened? Which one does the does Revelation describe as the second death? Is it A, the trump sounds and Jesus returns to judge? B, all the saints are persecuted? C, death and hell are cast into the lake of fire? Or D, 
The Book of Life is open. Good if choices. No, the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. That is our number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, you go you will get a chance in the draw, which will be happening at the end of this week. We've got our amazing prize for week this week, which is 13 Weeks to Joy by Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. We want to give this book to you absolutely for free because we want you to be happy and experience joy in the Lord. Again, that number, 0491-064-669. And those options were the Trump sounds and Jesus returns to judge, all the saints, per- that was A, B, all the saints persecuted, C, death and hell cast into the lake of fire, or D, the book of life is open. 0491-064-669. I just want to give a shout out to a town today where we have a Faith of M trans- transmitter that is Henty, New South Wales. I have never heard of Henty. I, until That's this morning, interesting, must be I a really tiny never- place, is it? So it is like just right, it's like west Northwest of Holbrook. Do you know Holbrook? I have heard of it, but oh, I don't Holbrook's know where a it classic. is. classic. Holbrook has an epic bakery that we used to go to oh. every single time when I was a kid. Because I, I would go down to Victoria. I would go down to Victoria, I would say, maybe like 20 times a year mm-hmm. before uh, when, I was, when I was a kid. But, hey, <laughs> also, it's just south of Wagga Wagga. Oh, now I know where Wagga Wagga so, so, is. <laughs> uh, you know, just, oh, and it's just, just north of Albury. So, oh, so you know, nice. Albury Wodonga on the uh, on the border there. Yeah, it must be a pretty small place, though, isn't it? It, it seems as such. But we've got a faith of a transmitter there. It's oh, actually so I, cool. I zoom in on the town. It reminds me of where we're transmitting from this morning, Curry Curry, New South Wales, in the Hunter Valley mm. region. The the town there, it's like you know, very like a like an old school Australian town layout, very square. Uh-huh. You know, lots of it's just a grid, basically. So <laughs> easy to get around. Hey, if you're from Henty, if you've been to Henty, if you know where that is, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Let us know. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, so text us today. And hey, we want to do another shout out to him this time. Uh, Katia has actually asked that we actually shout out to her niece, Lucine. I hope I've spelled, um, said that right. Lucienne for her 18th birthday. Oh, amazing. 18th birthday. Happy birthday, Lucine. Mm. Um, I hope you have a really, really super, super day. Get mm. spoilt. Um, somebody takes you out for dinner. Your family takes you out for dinner oh, or yeah. something. And, um, yeah. And that with friends, you can really celebrate. I hope you're having an 18th birthday party at some stage. Did you ever have an 18th birthday party, Lawson? Um, I mean, I turned 18, so yeah. But did you have a party? I had a party. Did That's you? Right. That's right. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, <laughs> my birthday party was for my 18th birthday was, uh, before, I, I became Christian. It was actually, it was kind of during the process, but like, as in, this is, you know, still some months out from, you know, when I got baptized and whatnot. Yes. And so it was a little bit more of a secular uh-huh. birthday with it was secular, a wild party. Oh, that's right, secular activities, <laughs> but it's cool because a couple months later, I made my decision to stop drinking and I've been Yay. sober ever since. So, Praise yeah, the Lord. My, my birthday, it's, it's only September. I've still got a couple months to go. So I'm, I'm, I'm well, I'm October. So next, You're next in October, month. baby. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, getting towards the end of the year there. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Congratulations, okay. Lucienne, for, for making it to 18. That's right. All right. That's right. Danuta. Have a super day. Have a super day. Hey, some good news. Yes. There's some more rare findings. I love the rare findings that the archaeologists are finding in different mm. places. We've unpacked some of them over the last few weeks. This one's a rare Roman temple that has been found in Italy. 
And the, and the way that it's been found is really quite interesting. So the town that it's actually been found in is in the northern part of Italy called Sarsina. I'd never really heard of Sarsina before, so I looked some of that up, and it's actually referred to as a sleepy town. It has about 3,000 people, and basically they were getting a supermarket built, going to be getting a supermarket built and a sports complex. Mm-hmm. And what happened is when the builders started digging to lay foundations, they actually found very rare findings from the Roman era. Mm-hmm. So imagine that, yeah, digging yeah, down absolutely. to get the foundation of something that's going to be really modern, completely brand new, and you get something that's virtually two, around 2,000 years old because they're believing that the findings that have they've found actually from the first century which mm. is in incredible <sighs> really they've unco- so what they feel that they've uncovered is a pagan roman temple referred to uh, referred to as capitolium mm. um, and it's actually got three rooms that they've found and they feel that that's likely that these were dedicated to the three gods of jupiter minvera and juno and so these relics, like I say, go back to the first century. It's about the size of it is probably about 577 metres in size. It's made from sandstone and lime blocks, and it's been preserved exceptionally well, the archaeologists have said, which is really incredible. And when you actually mm. go and look at the photos, it's really quite fascinating how what they've found. They've also found an older and deeper layer from about the 4th century BC, and the temple can actually be larger than what they have found, their thinking. Mm. Now, so the, the interesting thing is they're feeling it's from the Umbrian people, which was a tribe that predated the Romans that lived there. Mm. And um, so, so Sarsina is a place that was actually captured by Cornelius Scipio in 271 BC and later became a town of the Roman Empire. Mm. So just really fascinating stuff, you know, with what they're actually finding. So this sleepy town, as it's been always called, mm. has now became a town that is suddenly attracted piles of tourists. Imagine wow, the ch- <laughs> that's amazing. Imagine the change in that. Just right, just like the dip, like these people who've had their quietness in that town and no longer having mm. the quietness. But I bet they're absolutely excited, you know, with what has been found. And yeah. I love again the fact that with history you know, it, it tells us that the Bible, you know, is right because yeah. there's so much history about the Roman Empire. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that, you know, that, so they've they've tried to dig to lay some foundations to build a supermarket yeah. and a sports complex to expand their town yeah. so potentially more people can come. Yeah. But in doing so, before they've even put down a brick... <laughs> They've already, they're, they're attracting. Even the foundation. They that's right. They're down. attracting people from all over the place to come and to, to look at the, uh, to, to look at the various archaeological findings and, you know, this temple and whatnot. That's amazing though. It's, it's really interesting finding, um, finding, uh, you know, Roman Empire artifacts and whatnot in England because they were very much transplanted there. Like you had England that was for a long time was, you know, when we talk about like pre-Roman, you know, Roman Empire era history for mm, England. It's mm-hmm. it's just a very small, very small yeah. villages and towns and whatnot yeah. on the Isles. 
and and then all of a sudden the the Romans rock up and they're and they're there. and so yeah a lot of that culture and whatnot was transplanted into in, England into this right. and then you know spent some time there and then eventually you know after 476 the division of the Western Roman Empire England declaring mm. its sovereignty and then you come to 1066 yep. and the invasion of the Normans and you know basically the foundation of modern England today mm. but uh, it's it's amazing when we find these because it's so it, often the Roman an empire era things the roman stuff that's brought over is so kind of counter to the culture that was already there it's that like, was there, like the aesthetic yeah. and the style and whatnot and then you find roman empire stuff in england it's like whoa that's kind of yeah. super random and like, again, again it shows how how widespread the roman empire mm. became and the power that it had in its different places doesn't mm. that because it was so prominent and it was and it was for so long it was yeah. the longest lasting empire from what daniel 2 actually talks about mm. in the statue of the mm-hmm. different empires and the roman empire was just for so long and so yeah so this town was particularly seen to be part of the, a mountain pass in those days so mm. just fascinating stuff and i love again how history links in together with the bible you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different Next quiz double question. stacking. Yeah, right. Here we go. Next quiz question. Violin is so impressive. Like, I mean, right. So I I learned guitar in a very short amount of time, and mm. I, and, I, and like to a decent level. Like I say, I'm like a decent guitarist, and you know because. All of the there's frets. It's it's all laid out for you. Just once you just memorize what all the frets do, then you're like, oh, okay, sweet. You know what all the the chords are. You know what all the notes are. You're good. Whereas you know, in for a violin, not only do you need to to memorize where all the positions are, but like actually. Like you, you don't have you don't have the frets. The, the frets, like the forgiving get- <laughs> that forgiving space where you can just chuck your finger down. And it sounds alright. Like that's, that's it. So when you're starting out to learn on the violin, basically you either get stickers stuck in a spot, mm. or typically there's like some some tape that you put on the lines. Teachers tend to put tape across mm. where your finger's meant to be, and it's the slightest slightest movement that can get you out of tune. So. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically from that from that point of view, it's um it's really important to basically um yeah know where your fingers are going on that violin. Absolutely. <laughs> but hey, and our next question here we go. I am a commander of the army of k- the king of Syria. I didn't feel I was being respected by the Lord's prophet. Who am I? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to text if you know the answer. Again, that's zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Our prize for this week: the amazing thirteen weeks to joy. How to hold the happiness that God gives by Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. That question one more time. I am a commander of the army of the king of Syria. I didn't feel I was being respected by the Lord's prophet. Who am I? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You're listening to the breakfast show this morning, and on the show we are going to go to Wyoming, the Wyoming. least populous uh, state in the United States. It is an area where, yeah, there's. I, I know a few people from Wyoming. Is beautiful landscapes and whatnot. It's I believe Wyoming is landlocked. It is, 100% it is. Uh, but yeah, Wyoming, beautiful state, very, very small population compared to the rest of America. Uh, but a judge has just ruled on a case there with, well, a, a court case has just been thrown out of court hmm. for a very interesting 
reason. Tell us this now, reason. Okay, so this court case was brought this case was brought to the courts by six members of the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority. What? So this excuse is me, excuse me. Kappa Kappa Gamma <laughs> sorority. So this is a sorority at a the University of Wyoming. Please explain. So a sorority is essentially so in American universities, they I think they like I have friends who go to American universities, they have on-campus dorms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they have fraternity houses and sorority houses as well, which are usually off campus and it's associations that are put together by the students where you can join and go and live there and usually Mm. all of them have like greek names for some reason i'm not sure why so it becomes a whole greek culture where they have a greek fest of food together probably (laughs) there is uh, a lot of kind of because there's lots of like i remember just like watching hollywood movies and stuff growing up about you know it's like university movies and about like sororities and fraternities and how they would all party and do stuff and whatnot but which i think is is unfortunately a big culture of that but then simultaneously like these are you know organizations that people join and live in and go to make friends and mm. and these kinds of things like here in australia we don't we don't really do that we don't have fraternities or sororities we just mm. have lots of student clubs That's and people yeah. do that and they have student clubs in the states as well but also these sororities and fraternities because you can go there to live instead of living in you know the on-campus dorms or whatever you can go and live in one of these houses with a group of guys cool. or so they've got choices yeah. yeah they've got they've got choices that's ultimately what it's and it's like it's a private kind of choice but then you can get affiliated with the uni and you know get some support from them as well you know it's a i think i think in, in a lot of senses it's a, it's a cool system uh that yeah people get to go to uni and during their uni days they get to be a part of of a community there mm. they get to find community in their uni now, six members have brought this case to court uh, that essentially says that so there was a trans identified male student, so they are a male who has become female, mm-hmm. uh, who joined the sorority. And because, and you might be thinking, it's like, okay, they joined the sorority, like, does the sorority have any grounds to reject them? Well, Again, being in the University of Wyoming and, well, being a university sorority and wanting to be progressive and wanting to accept these kinds of things, they said, okay, well, let's, let's give it a shot. You know, let's give it a try. Let's, you know, this person, they fulfill all of our criteria, you know, so except, you know, well, they're, they're trans, they're a trans woman, so they're male to female, but, We'll, we'll let them stay with us because, you know, there's no other red flags that we can see. And did, this, did the students know this as well? Yeah, you know, they, they, were, they were consulted okay. uh, and whatnot. But then eventually a, a number – well, six of these girls who, brought, who were bringing this court case forward, um, they began to feel uncomfortable living mm. in the house with a person. And, and this is because uh, there was a few just situations in which... And these people, I thought this isn't typical of female. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, like, again, you're living in a, in a sorority house. Living mm. to, it'd be like living in a big share house. Mm-hmm. And they catch this person watching them, you know, come out of the shower in a towel and and mm. just just a few little circumstances and whatnot where Very again, uncomfortable this for is them. A, a female sacred space and all of a sudden there is someone who is well trans identified, you know, uh, identifying as female mm. uh, 
and but they start feeling uncomfortable because they're like, oh, well, there is actually some potential for for danger here, and there is certainly a, a vibe that's been given by this person of mm. you know just looks and stares and whatnot, and and then a lot of the conversations and talking points that this person is bringing up, talking a lot about female genitalia, mm. and they're like. You know, this is this is supposed to be a female sacred space, and we no longer f- feel safe mm. here. Mm. And so they consulted their their fellow uh, their fellow you know uh, sorority sisters and whatnot. And they're like, well, we want to, we don't want to do this anymore. But then it's like, well, we already accepted them. So on, where do we go with yeah? This? On That's what grounds can they actually be be? put out if they've been accepted, you know. So on what grounds did they take them to the courts? So, so they've gone to the courts arguing that, well, our bylaws um, say that you need to be a woman to join and this person is a trans-identified mm-hmm. woman. So mm-hmm. so therefore um, that doesn't fully fit our bylaws and so we want to get them out. And, but like, by the way, like I'm very sympathetic for their case. Like I, I if I was in that position, I would not feel safe. Like mm-hmm. I, I would not feel safe. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so they take this to the courts and the judge dismisses it and throws it out. And on what basis and has the, he And the reason the out. judge dismisses it and throws it out is because the KKG, the Kappa Kappa Gamma bylaws uh, which, by the way, is a, is already founded by since like 1870. So since 1870, it's been like a wow. few things. The bylaws of the KKG do not define what a woman is. No way. So There's even, no definition even within it, that. Within the by, so but this is hear me out. Hear me out here. So the bylaws say that you need to be a woman to join, but. The courts are saying, and the judges are saying that they don't have a case to bring against this person because who they is didn't n- have it initially well, in there. Well, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. It, it has always said that you need to be a woman, but it does not Defon- define that's what, what I'm a saying. woman. And I so, haven't had that definition so, there. So, so it doesn't say. So even though it says you need to be a woman, it doesn't say what a woman is. And for some reason, for some reason, now <laughs> this is boggling in, my mind. <laughs> in in the court system oh, of dear. the United. States, if if they if if it says you need to be a woman, but you haven't you know put underneath that oh you need to be born biologically a woman with mm-hmm. female genitalia. Apparently, if you don't have that definition, well then the definition of woman or the, or the 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 uh, the standard of being a woman is now null and void mm. because you didn't define it. Mm. Which is like on, just like, lunacy. It is. It's ludicrous like, basis, is isn't crazy. it? Really crazy I, uh, basis. Like I'm, I'm really shocked here. Obviously, you know, this is against biology. This is against science. This Completely. is a, this is against faith. This is against, against objective morality and truth. This is against what is observed with our own two eyes. And I, I feel sorry. For I I feel sorry for these women in this situation, and and it's it's a bad it's a bad thing you know I also see I also understand the standpoint of the the trans identified person here that they've made the decision to be trans even though it's a lifestyle decision that I don't agree with and they're trying to be in with a group of people that that they feel as though fits their mold a little bit more but the but then at the same time like this person is just. 
acting creepy and weird. They're, they're acting like a male who is in a female sorority. And so it's interesting <laughs> what they're going to do about the safety issues now then. If yeah. the law's just pl- placed that out, where do they go next with this in this space, which will be really interesting to see follow on from that, you know, yeah. of the follow on from it. Absolutely. Mm. Well, they, there's no there's no information here about that and we'll see how it goes in the future. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. Lawson, we have our next quiz question for today. Yeah, that's right. How many unclean spirits are mentioned in Revelation 16? Mm. We know the answer to that one. 0491-064-669. How many unclean spirits are mentioned in Revelation chapter 16? You know the answer? 0491-064-669. Of course, if you know the answer, you'll go into the jaw to win 13 Weeks to Joy yes. by Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. We want to give that to you absolutely That's a real German free. name or something, isn't it? Schwerzer, <laughs> absolutely. No, I've, I have the privilege to hear Jennifer Jill Schwerzer present at Big Camp, I believe it was 2018. Which and is a big church convention of about right. 3,000 people that happen that's once right. a year and we stay in tents. And Yeah. Yep. She was just fantastic. Very, very insightful wow, about fabulous. our relationships with God and, and particularly on this topic of mm-hmm. contentment. And she said, she said, she shared some personal stories from her life uh, that were just an absolute blessing, just very, very eye opening. But again, that number 0491064669. And that question again was, how many unclean spirits are mentioned in Revelation 16? All right, it's time now for our interview. It is. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting in with none other than Brad Moody. Brad, are you there with us? I am indeed. How are you, Lawson? Oi, I am killing it, bro. So <laughs> is Danuta killing it as well. We're killing it. We're living it. We're I don't just, know if I'm killing it. That's, that's Lawson's standard life. We're goals, you know, like, like absolutely. Call us Ronaldo because we are kicking goals Ren- in the studio this morning. Here with Brad Moody to talk about apologetics. We're, we're talking about doctrines of the Bible. We want you to kick goals with and us. That's what we, he's saying. Yeah, absolutely. Kick, <laughs> kick some goals. Kick some goals. Kick some goals. Take it off to us about about hell. What's happening about after the millennium? Because last time you covered about the millennium. So take it away, Brad. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that that introduction. And uh, you, you you mentioned something a little ironic there, given our topic today, Lawson, about killing it, because we are we are talking about a pretty heavy topic on <laughs> on hell and what takes place, as you said, after the millennium. Mm. You know, for the last sort of uh, couple of sessions, we've been going on this journey. Essentially, theodicy, you know, the, the concept of if God is so good, then why is there evil? And we've been sort of delving into what the Bible says about that from various angles. And today is no different. Uh, talking about how God can possibly be a God of love while we study about this concept of uh, what is commonly believed to be an eternally burning fire that people are sustained within. So we want to bring some clarity to that because the Bible is actually pretty clear if you take it in its in its entirety. A lot of people, will, particularly with this topic of hell, take one particular verse and they'll focus in on it as like the 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 entire definition of their belief of hell. And and really with this particular topic, particularly given that it's such a delicate one, uh, talking about the 
the cessation of life. We we need to be we need to be we need to be taking it as uh, as the Bible reads from here a little and there a little. We're yeah. told with one of the major prophets, you know, take a little mm. bit here and a little bit there, rather than trying to piece one verse um, as like the the ultimate explanation of the entirety of this idea. Mm. Yeah, we call that weight of evidence study, essentially, that we take all of the verses that talk about hell and build a case for what the Bible is trying to talk about rather than just taking a single verse and and, and just making that the definition of, of, our, of a doctrine and an understanding mm. that is so critical and necessary as, yes. as hell. And that is like very prolific in the bible like it it is talked about Mm -hmm. you know maybe not as much as some other topics but we have a fair bit of information and let's so let's go through it it. and you know let's let's absolutely what the bible is actually saying so so it's worth, I think, just reestablishing the context of God being a God of love. Uh, using Jeremiah 31 and verse 3 that says that he has appeared to me of old, this is Jeremiah saying, you know, that he has appeared to me of old saying, yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Uh, therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So God is a God of love. And we need, to, we need to just remember that from the outset, that that is critical. The Bible says that God is love and he says it of himself. And therefore, everything that he does has to be done in and through love, uh, this is this is one thing that just begins from the outset to undermine the concept of an eternally burning hell. But we'll come to that in a minute. Another verse that really gives us some some great context is. Uh, uh, Ezekiel 33 and verse 11, which mm. says that as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the mm. wicked. Oh, and he goes yes. on to say, but that the wicked will turn from his way yes. and live. And then he repeats himself. He says, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O Israel? Mm. And just a caveat here. He says, why will you die? He doesn't say, why will you fall into a pit of burning sulfur and then burn for eternity while I sustain your life perpetually burning you there and torturing you there because I have pleasure in your death. No, 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 no. I have no pleasure in your death. You you understand what I'm saying here, right? This is what God is trying to, to, to clarify with humanity. Go. Thank you. Exactly right. Um, and, and, and this is, this is, uh, just, just so paramount that we understand this concept before we even start talking about what hell is and what that looks like at the end of the millennium. Um, but another question that, that may come to people's minds is like, well, you know, why is it that we've, we've been here so long? Why is it that God has not done something about this whole evil problem? Because this is what hell really is. Hell is about God eradicating evil, eradicating the, the problem of sin, eradicating all the suffering that people are, are undergoing. That's what it is. It's a cleansing process. It's not It's not a, a torture process. That's not what its purpose is. Mm. And, and and a lot of people may, may be like, well, why is it that, that we that God hasn't stepped in and done something about all this evil problem as yet? And, and 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says that the Lord is not slack concerning his mm. promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to Love us. And he doesn't want anyone to perish. Mm. Yeah, right? Because it's repeating that same thing in Ezekiel 33, where he says, I don't want anyone to perish, but I want everyone to come to repentance. And so mm. God's sort of stuck in this position where he's He's wanting to give everybody the opportunity to come to salvation. Mm. But at the same time, um, he, he has to bring an end to it at some point in time. Mm. So th- that's that's the question that, that a lot of people ask is, why is it that God hasn't stepped in and done something about this right now? Well, the reason is that he's waiting patiently for everyone to have the chance to decide for salvation. 
But the Bible does say in Psalm 37, it it articulates it very well. It says that the wicked shall perish. Mm. The enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. And he's talking here about, it's the context of of a sacrifice. They shall consume away. Into smoke shall they consume away. For yet a little while they shall not be. Yea, you will diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. And then verse 20 repeats the same concept. There is a time coming, God says, although I'm not slapped concerning my promise, and I am long-suffering, and I am loving in this whole process, there is coming a time when the wicked will be, notice this, completely consumed. Yes. You will diligently search out his location, but you will not be able to find it. Mm. So furthering along from that, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Janetta. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and that's, that's an interesting thing because really, yeah, it is saying, look, you know, I'm giving you all of this time, but mm. there's got to come an end point in the end somewhere, really, because, and the yeah. choice is up to us mm-hmm, each mm-hmm. individually, you know, even when you actually think of, um, John chapter three, verse 16 and 17, which is, you know, verse 16 is the most common verse that people know in the world from the Bible, you know, that, that God sent his son, you know, to, to say, you know, that all may have eternal life. And then verse 17, he did not come mm. to condemn the world, but that all might be saved. Yes. And all of that is really mm. crucial and important to have within this whole mm. perspective of what you're saying, that, yeah, God actually wants his people, wants everyone saved. But, hey, there's got to come an end point. Yeah. And I also I really exactly appreciate right. the, the points that you're making, particularly in regard to, you know, not finding them and whatnot, because the reality is is that these descriptions of health flying in the face of the commonly held notion that people are burning in hell right. forever right now, ultimately. And it's like, okay, well, if, yes. if that is true, then how can the Bible say this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that I, was, I was, wasn't sure whether I was going to go to this verse, but I think I need to now that you've just said that, because there is this perfect clarifier in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 that says, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So a lot of people, you just raised something really interesting there, Lawson, about people believe that people are in hell right now burning and that they're going to be there for eternity and, oh well, yeah, they died, they're just, they're just there earlier than the rest. But the Bible clearly says in Second Peter that they are reserved unto the day of judgment to be punished. Mm-hmm. It's not something that they're being punished right now. You know, the, the day of judgment has not yet um, completed, has not yet come, right? Mm. So they're, they're being reserved for that. Thank you for that, that really powerful point there, Lawson. Now, this brings us to probably one of the most, uh, one of the, 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 the otherwise confusing verses, if not taken in the context that we've just established, that God is a God of love, that he doesn't desire the wicked to perish, and that he doesn't desire anyone to perish, but there has to come a time when the end is the end of all evil, because he wants a universe of peace, and everybody needs that. That's what the, the, the universe is craving. Uh, so Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41 is probably one of the most, uh, well, tricky verses if we take it alone, because it says there, then he shall say unto them that on, on his left hand, this is Jesus speaking, talking about the end of time, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Now notice this part, really important, prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice that it's not prepared for the wicked humanity. It's prepared for the devil and his angels, but it just so happens to be that if people don't 
not accept Jesus Christ, that that's where they're going to end up uh, just by, 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 um, by unfortunate consequence. Um, like you said, Daniel, that God, Jesus is not here to condemn the world. But if people refuse his, his salvation and his grace, that is unfortunately where they'll end up. But the question there is everlasting fire. Well, what does that mean? How do we, cons- how do we reconcile that with, with, with Psalm 37 that talks about them being consumed away and their location not being able to be found? Go ahead, Danita. Well, the thing is, you know, people put that, con- that, that whole everlasting, um, that's mentioned there with the everlasting life. That's where that confusion comes in so much, doesn't it? That because one is everlasting life that it is for eternity. And here in this concept, people are going like, well, how can that be con- like continual and right now? And that's what confuses people so mm. much. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And so if we keep reading, sorry, go ahead, jump in. So where do we go from here is the question for people to actually grasp the concept of what it's actually giving us. Mm. Exactly right. And if we jump down five verses, we come to these words, which just give so much um, uh, uh, clarity to it. And these shall go away, talking about the same group of people, into everlasting punishment but the righteous into its life eternal, right? So notice that it says they're everlasting punishment, not punishing. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that imply? Mm -hmm. It implies that there's a finality to it. It's a punishment. It's done, not a punishing, present continuous, right? So so what we can therefore conclude in this particular instance is that we are referring to a fire that has everlasting consequences, and that's how it lines up with the life eternal, uh, which lines up perfectly with what you were saying there, Januda, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than burning forever, it's Mm -hmm. a fire that has everlasting consequences. But now we also need to tackle another another potentially confusing verse in Revelation 20 and verse 7 through to 10, when it says that, that when the thousand years are expired, this is what we're talking about, the context is the end of the millennium, which we talked about in the last session, Satan will be loosed out of his present, his prison, and the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, a number of whom is at the sand of the sea, they went up, now this is really important, really important, and they went up on the breadth of the earth mm. encompassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven. So where were they? Give me an answer. Uh, they were on the earth. That's right. They're on the earth, exactly. And then it says the fire comes down from God out of heaven, and then it says that it devoured them, mm. devoured them. And the devil and that, that, that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are, and they shall be tormented. And here's where it seems to get confusing, tormented day and night forever and ever, right? Now, I want to just clarify. Here we know from Revelation twenty one and twenty two that there is going to be a new earth created. Yeah, there the is going Lord. to be an entire new <laughs> heavens and new earth. Right? Isn't that awesome? But the thing passage. is, what this is saying is, what this is saying here, it seems to imply that hell is a place on earth, not under the earth, mm-hmm. not above the earth, not in some random spiritual place. It says that they went up on the breadth of the earth, mm-hmm. and then fire comes down from God out of heaven, and then it devours them. So if they're on the top of the earth, then it means that the new earth or whatever, we're, we're going to be in the midst of, of people burning for eternity on top of the earth if we take that commonly understood idea of hell to its end degree. We're going to be in the midst of those people on the breadth of the earth if we take that as it reads. But it says there, and it clarifies itself, that the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And I love the 
way, uh, my good friend Lyle Southwell, you guys know him as well, <laughs> um, puts this. He, he says that, you know, when you, he says, I love apple pie. And he says, if you give me an entire apple pie and I'm on an empty stomach, I will show you what it means to devour it. And I'm going to tell you, there's not going to be an ounce of it left. It will be devoured. It will be completely consumed with once again lining up with, um, with Psalm chapter 37. So it's completely consumed, completely devoured. There's nothing left of it. So then how do we reconcile that with being tormented day and night forever and ever? Well, let me just jump ahead here and then I'll come back a little ways um, to it. Exodus chapter 21 and verse 6, which clarifies what an everlasting or what a forever means in 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 a, in a physical context it's talking there about um somebody that has been uh, uh been has sold themselves as a slave to somebody because they were in severe debt or whatever situation has led them to that and they've got a set period of time when the master was supposed to keep them in slavery and then after that they had to let them go free and it was like a period of seven years i believe now the master then would say to him it's your time to go free but if so be that that servant or that slave had then acquired himself a family and, and set himself up under the master's house and he comes to the master he says look I actually love serving you I want to continue serving you um, then the master it says will take him and bore his ear through with an awl in other words just pierce his ear and then from there it says these really interesting words in verse 6 of chapter 21 of, of, of Exodus he shall serve him forever mm. same word forever right and it says he's going well, obviously, he's not going to serve him after he has died. And so this is what it means. And there's other verses which can actually add to this as well. That's just one particular reference. But the, the, it's basically saying that forever in that Hebrew mindset is until death, right? Until death. That's what it sort of implies. And so if we take that, it gives a little bit more clarity to the idea of, of that fire which devours them and seems to last forever because, well, that's what it would be like to burn in a fire, it would it would feel like forever, but it's not going to continue an, an, until forever for eternity. But it will just last as long as it takes to consume the 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 fuel. And I'm aware that our time is sort of running out here, so let me just try and sum up a few things here without um, missing some important points. Um, in Jude chapter seven, it gives a really interesting example of Sodom and Gomorrah, who have suffered the example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Just another example there of well, Sodom and Gomorrah. They're they're not still burning, and this is a couple thousand years later. They are not still burning. They're, they've been consumed into ashes. So that's just one example of how eternal fire does not necessarily mean foreverlasting or continual perpetual for eternity. That's not what it implies. That's just another example that the Bible gives to add to the picture. Now, furthermore, there's Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11 and 12. I just need to clarify this one. Quickly, um, that it says there that the, he will gather the wheat into his garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And now this is what's really important to understand. Unquenchable fire can mean two things. One, it can be fires that burn forever. They would be considered unquenchable. You cannot put them out. They will continue to burn perpetually, right? The alternative perspective is one that we can use the example of the fires that burned on the Australian coastline a few years back. They, they, they burnt and they were unquenchable unquenchable. No one could put them out. They just kept mm. burning, but they're not still burning. They were unquenchable, but they stopped themselves at what what period in time? When they ran out of fuel. Yeah. And this is the same concept where we see the 
the concept of hell, right? It is once the fuel is consumed, then we can understand that the fire will exhaust itself. It will go out. Uh, and then one final verse, just to, to title off, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8 says, But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murders, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, idolaters, and liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It doesn't say the second dying. Once again, implying finality, the second death, which brings us to our next topic that we're going to discuss next time, which is the state of the dead, because there's a lot of misunderstanding and, and, and misapprehension of the concept of death in the Bible, and that's what we're going to talk about next time. But for now, what is the second death, not the second dying? It's basically what happens at the end of the millennium, which is it, the, the, the fires that have everlasting consequences, not the fires that burn for eternity. Hellfire. Oh, Brad, thank you so much. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.